It's Charlie Fink and Ted Chilowitz with This Week in XR live at AWE 2022. I'm here with a good friend and a fantastic entrepreneur, Alan Smithson. Welcome and thank you for making time for us. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, it's uh, truly an honor to be part of this. I listen to your, your uh, podcast all the time, so I, I get my industry news from your from directly from the source. Wow, that is like flattering. That? Yeah, yeah you could come back. Well, you're a big fan of your work and oh, all you the different approaches that you've taken to uh, innovation and looking and crafting new things in new ways. And you've got something pretty exciting that you're on the cusp of. Right oh my now. goodness, guys. It's been a long, long time. We, we spent seven years building a technology platform. And uh, two years ago at this show, we launched 1.0 of that software, uh, Metaverse Engine. And it was wildly successful from our standpoint. I mean, we're, we're not Unity and we're not Unreal, but we, we were wildly successful from our own uh, standpoint. And we realized also that in the success that we we're having getting all these enterprise brands on, we're like, oh crap, 1.0 is just not, we're going to be saddled with technical debt forever if we, if we don't start over. So we actually started over. So 2.0 is launching on Friday this week and it is a complete rebuild of the engine. Wow. So it's it's a it was a two year undertaking to kind of well, fix in it. That, in that time period, you have a lot of heat on the concept of the metaverse and huge players investing huge, exponentially huge dollars it's against insane. this idea of the evolution of what we used to call cyberspace, right? Uh, and you're firmly in it uh, and have been in it for some time. So it's an interesting evolution. That You've fallen into something early that has now captured the eye of the imagination. I could have never imagined that the name of our company would become the, the, the term that people would refer to as the future of the internet. I mean, it's kind of like calling your company Kleenex. I mean, every, <laughs> you don't say pass me a, a, a towelette or a, a facial well, tissue. There is new demand for my book, Metaverse, yeah. even right? though... Even though the metaverse in that book is a metaphor. <laughs> it is true. I, I'm actually mentioning that. I wrote an a, a article in your book, right? Is it that one uh, or the second you one? You wrote uh, an article in the second book. Second book. Convergence. Right. Right. Yes. Painting the world with data. I think I'm in that one too. Yes, you were in that. Ted is in that book also. I think I got everybody. It's the old theater I love strategy, that. right? You, get, you, you do a theater production in high school with 100 people in the cast. They all bring two or three people. And you've got a full house. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. So, Alan, I mean, I, one of the things I so admire about you as an entrepreneur is you um, and your wife, Julie, your partner. Uh, She's over doing, there. We're doing all sorts <laughs> of things in, in XR yep. for a number of years, and then this kind of developed into the focus of your business. The plan was – so I, I developed a business plan seven years ago. Before we called it Metaverse, actually. We, called, we renamed the company a year after we started. But the idea was to be an agency or a studio or whatever you want to call it and do as many projects as possible and then figure out what to build. Instead of kind of, you know, because I didn't know anything about this world. I tried VR. I was blown away. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I left the DJ world. The, the, you know, we were creating uh, software for interfaces for music musicians and artists. But I came into the VR world. I didn't know anything. So my view of VR was 360 video. And then we did a bunch of 360 video. And then I, I bought the Samsung camera. And for 500 bucks, and it was as good as an Ozo. And we're like, oh, okay, this is a race to zero. <laughs> so then, you know, and then you realize, like, how do you make these things? And, and we, would, we would build stuff on Unity, we'd build stuff on Unreal. And it was just really hard. It was hard to find people, talent. It was hard to create the 3D objects. It was just, everything was bloody difficult. 
And so we wanted to build something that was easy for everyone. And so our, our metaverse, our mission at metaverse is metaverse creation for everyone. And so the idea is that it needs to be drag and drop. It needs to be low code as much as possible. And you need to be able to create value quickly and get it out to there. And we, we wanted to make sure that it was on the web because if, if the metaverse is the future of the internet, it has to be on the web. It can't be behind an, an app payment wall system. So we bypassed the app stores by being on the web. So, you know. Well, you're essentially going after Unity and Unreal with a web-based product. What is the business model? So I don't see it as going after either, to be honest. They, uh, you know, you have Unreal Engine as AAA games. Now they have a GLTF exporter. In fact, we won an Epic Mega Grant to create the GLTF converter for our, the ingester for ours. So now we can take GLTF models. Let's say you you build a car commercial, super high-end car commercial. You can export the, the things and now have a web-based version as well on the Metaverse engine. So we see it as a, as a cooperative thing. But also, we're opening a completely new paradigm. Because if you're a web developer, if you're a JavaScript developer, or you're an HTML uh, developer, you were locked out of this this whole process. So the you know 13 million JavaScript developers around the world now have access to a game engine, and that opens up the market that much bigger. So I don't see it as competitive; it's just growing the whole the whole industry. Um, so so Alan, where do you? I mean, you've been doing this for long enough, and, and you're building a business that kind of is predicated on an emerging future. So we consider you a fellow futurist. <laughs> I, I'm an amateur futurist. You're an amateur futurist. Aren't we all, right? What was the famous Mark Twain quote? Of course I care about the future. That's where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> I love that. So so where, where, where do you think we're going to be five years from now at AWE, uh, the 18th edition of AWE? Okay, five years hence. Say 2027. Okay, so Snapchat will be a, a leading platform by far. Uh, their glasses, from what I've seen and what I've tried, their glasses are far superior to everybody else's in what they've got, and they have a massive content uh, pipeline. They have million creators. It's insane. They've done over a trillion snaps. So Snapchat will be a leader in the space. Uh, Apple will have released their glasses, so they'll probably be in version two of their glasses. Content creation will have tools like... Um, uh, like anything world where you can literally talk and say I want to I want to create a room with four walls three windows and I want to have a palm tree on one side I want a great carpet and uh, some furniture and it'll populate it and build view the world Facebook is working on I mean uh, meta is working on. a lot of people are working on these AI algorithms so I think you're gonna have creation tools that allow you to just dictate what you want and it'll build it I think we're gonna have there's a company called inworld AI we just we just partner with and we'll I guess we're announcing that now um, but anyway, we partnered with this company called Inworld AI, and they're going to drive the avatars in our system, uh, so you can have conversational, like full-on conversations with AI, and it feels real. It, it, it's wild. You can ask the meaning of life, and it gets deep. And you, I went down the rabbit hole of asking this AI friend, and not only that, but the AI learns about the individual, so it actually can remember the conversations it had with you, and so it's it's next level stuff. So anyway, things like this will really have matured by then. And you'll just you'll be able to go into a virtual world, whether it's in glasses or on your phone or whatever. Phones are not going in a way, and you'll be able to have uh, meetings with your friends, conversations with you know random uh, AIs and avatars, 
it'll be photorealistic, whether it's streamed in from you know AAA game engines like like Unreal or on device with something like Metaverse. Uh, but it'll be really beautiful in, in the, the technology. But it's also going to be so driven by three technologies, in my opinion. You've got you know AI dri driving natural language processing, deep learning, machine learning, and also you know computer vision, knowing where you are in the world. And then you've got XR, 3D virtual augmented mixed reality, and then you've got the blockchain layer of crypto, DeFi, um, DAOs, and NFTs. So you've got all of these technologies kind of coming together. So I think by 2027, all of these will be mature, and all of them will be creating hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in value, each of these categories. And your software layer is going to touch all of these in a unique way, maybe now lead it back toward what you're going to be doing. Sure. So we're building a game engine that's drag and drop that's on the web, okay? So, but what can you build on that? We, we were building all sorts of projects. We were doing, we we're focused on three verticals internally because we have a studio and we only have the bandwidth to do so much. We focused on marketing, training, and retail. And so those three verticals are huge in themselves. But what we wanted to do is build a few key points and then the world can build whatever they want. So we, we've done some medical device training for a, a large medical device company. The, the case study for that will be coming out in July, and we're saving them tens of millions in their training. It's crazy. That, that actually funds us, that whole thing. Then we work with, uh, with Samsung on their, on their training as well. Uh, we work with Pearson Education. We work with all these big brands. Um, but the, the point I want to make here is that the engine can be used for anything. It really can. And so one of the products we, we've been wanting to build, we built a bunch of virtual showrooms for brands. We're like, what if we built our own mall? So we are building a mall, and the mall, we called it The Mall, because it's going to be the only mall in the world left that's, you know, that's virtual. And so we've got this virtual mall. It's 100 floors tall, and each floor is a million square feet. So that massive, you know, to put it into perspective, the Mall of Dubai is 12 million square feet, so it's eight times larger than the world's largest physical mall. And so it can be vast. And we see it as like not something where you go and buy, just buy things, but you can experience brands in new ways. Right? You can go into the Lego store and all the things you click a box, bring comes to life. You go in Nike and you can go running on a track. Think about the crazy things you can do with a game engine that's specifically meant around retail and entertainment. So that's what we're building. We're using that as our sandbox to push the absolute limits of this tech. That is a great description of your business and your ambition. Alan, I admire you so Thank much. You, Thanks for making time for us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We are here with Pearlie Chen. She is Vice President of Business Development for HTC, uh, one of the leading VR companies in the world. Pearlie, thank you for making time for us this morning. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Tess. Nice sure. to be with you both today. Yes, it's great to be back in the real. Um, HTC doesn't have a booth. Right. We well, we, this this is this has been a very interesting few years for us. We've been busy introducing new products, uh, really fine tuning what this new vision for for the future is, uh, and building an open, secure metaverse that benefits every member of society. We'll be shipping new products at the Viflow, Vifocus Three uh, last year as well, and this AW event for us traditionally hasn't been the main place to make major product announcement, but really a place for us to reconnect with partners, friends, new ecosystem um, partners. So, so this is why we're here to, uh, in, in, in this event as well, to, to reinforce these relationships, make new ones, and, and make sure that we continue to play our part in advancing this ecosystem. As, as I recall, uh, HTC's thing always was CES. That's right, and, and those and, uh, Mobile World Congress. That's our traditional um, stages for product launches. So 
a little less than a year ago, you introduced a new headset. Yes. Um, called the Flow. Yes. It has pan pancake lenses, mm -hmm. so it, it looks Compact. not exactly like glasses, but sort of like a shrunk down headset. More like goggles. Yeah, more like goggles, yeah. Immersive glasses, right. And and has that is that a winner? Are people snapping those up? We are we're happy to see the progress and the reception and all the feedback that we're getting for Viveflow. And Viveflow, is that, it's like Amazon and the HTC website, is that where people are buying it? Or on Vive.com. Or yeah. on Vive.com. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Viveflow is very important, I think, step for us in, in, in really positioning a product, not just as a technology product for productivity, for entertainment, but also for mental well-being, for right, in, in improving how we feel as technology users. And I think this this is going to be increasingly important as we go towards inventing this future. Um, it's not just about how much more information and, and connectivity we can be, but how we connect with ourselves as well. That's really deeply important to me. And here we also uh, was part of an announcement in uh, TRIP's recent fund, uh, financing round. We came in as an investor in, in TRIP, and I think that just really further talks about how we care about how this technology has a profound impact on people's everyday life of how they connect with themselves. Vive has, HTC has an investment group, right, called Vivex that invests Vivex, in the yeah, ecosystem. Yes. So was the investment part of Vivex? So Vivex, we started in 2016. Uh, it was a $100 million commitment, balance sheet investing. We have since then invested in more than 100 companies globally, very broadly. Uh, that has been the pr primarily more earlier stage, smaller check size type of investment. Uh, but now, of course, as, we, as the ecosystem developed, a lot of companies and founders and product market fit, business models have started to mature. We started to write bigger investments, later stage um, type of investments. So, so that, that as well as XR Health, our recent other investment uh, are part of that initiative in investing in more mature companies with uh, larger investment sizes. So you're seeing with the flow a real focus on kind of health, wellness, yes. exercise, those kinds of things as opposed to kind of the hardcore gaming market. That's right. That's kind of where the target and then you're cultivating some, that. Some me time, right? Some productivity time, some mindful time, as well as some brain training. It's it's a more lightweight uh, style of get in and out. Easy for, for us to go into a collaboration set, setting as well, like in the Vive Sync um, VR meeting. And so, so yeah, it's a different form factor. With, with a headset that that's light, that, yes. that light, it must make fitness applications a little easier than wearing a bulky tethered headset. It's much more comfortable. And the, the bulk of people are attaching it to a smartphone. That that's right. That's right. Yes. So Wirelessly connected to smartphone as a control. Yeah. Let, let's shift gears a little sure. bit and talk about HTC's enterprise business. Sure. You've made a big push uh, over the past couple of years to um, build up that team. Uh, how is that going and how does it really work? Uh, how does that really work? We work with enterprise customers. We develop use, case, use cases together. We work on various pain points of the development to make sure that we can ensure partners good use case for achieving their business goals. And of course, that's that's the, the HESA side of business. So the enterprise business is really important to us, clearly. Yeah. Um, and, and that continues to be a really, really important platform for us to engage with customers. Um, and with those enterprise customers, are you seeing them still sticking with the tethered Vive Pro, or are they all moving to things like the Focus and the Flow? There is a big shift into standalone adoption, and Vive Focus 3 can really, it's a power force, it really serves a lot of the purpose. And with uh, XR Cloud Streaming, these days you can stream PC content to a wireless 
uh, headset like like Vive Focus Three. Um, so so that's definitely been a very important and popular uh, transition for customers in the enterprise space as well. So in the enterprise space, is is would you say that the killer app of the enterprise space is training? It is training. It's visualization. It's 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 a lot healthcare space as well. Um, there are there are still very many different applications that are being developed, and we work with partners in in bringing those to open our mind and what XR can still do and add to our productivity life in addition to our everyday life. With the focus product, are you starting to see kind of a resurgence in location-based entertainment use cases? Because I know that's some of the stuff that. But we use yeah. we, we we tried Holoride and Holoride was using yes that. that's right in South by Southwest recently I, I joined them there as well yeah that's a really great um, example of how a lightweight device can become versatile in enabling new XR experiences on the go or in location based entertainment like Zero Latency recently announced that they are shifting to by Focus Three with streaming and large scale and multiple user type of setup. Um, so and and of course in the in the healthcare therapeutic space as well, uh, standalone lightweight devices are becoming more. Important. So the idea of getting rid of the backpack system. Yes. Zero like Latency is yeah. is a location based entertainment product for those of you who don't know it and are listening. Uh, and they built simulation centers where people. Play Played competitive and cooperative games, um, military simulations, and so forth. Wearing and, and in fact, they are a military supplier in Australia, uh, where they started. Right. I think they have about fifty locations yeah, at this point. Well, and but they have it's very bulky technology. It's very hard to maintain backpack PCs. That's right. So so by going to the flow and cloud streaming, I think they're going to be able to grow much faster at a much lower cost. Right. Have you um, caught wind of Notre Dame VR, for example, in Massif, this Paris-based uh, company, which is also a portfolio company of ours, that develops this format of immersive expedition, large scale, 50 people roam, free roam at the same time into the Notre Dame 45-minute type of experience. And that used to be highly tethered because high fidelity, a complex experience. And now with the Vive Flow, it can become much easier for, for, for really all use cases to, to, for people to enjoy. Um, do you think cloud streaming is going to be the future of, of games? Yeah, uh, I, of XR games, I should say. Absolutely. I think especially before we have widespread 5G, edge computing, cloud computing for, for us to be able to really remove all of the device-based processing to, to, to the edge, to the, to the cloud. Um, in this on keep device, the headsets light. Absolutely. And that's how we can get closer and closer to your pair of glasses type of form factor from the goggle that you just described. Oh, they're getting lighter and lighter as we can offer more of these I wasn't computing. saying that as a negative <laughs> thing. I, I understand. I think yeah. the, the flow is a very attractive headset yeah. versus what we're using. To, That's right. And certainly uh, represents uh, an iteration toward uh, the kind of wearable that we're talking about. Do you think um, the headsets are going to become hybridized so that you would be doing uh, going back and forth between AR and VR? Absolutely. It's all what we, since day one, call the virtuality continuum, right? There's no real need to ultimately delineate between VR and AR. It's, it's the same continuum. From VR, we've, of course, started to do a lot of video pass-through that will get higher and higher quality and have, as, as we have seen. We have seen Magic Leap going the other way, right? Doing universal dimming. Uh, so, ultimately, that will be one device. I think we, the industry, the thought leaders of the industry have a very a high level of consensus on, on that. But that's maybe a little ways out as, as both directions are fast developing and iterating. Ultimately, the dream is that anybody can access via a pair of glasses. So when we're back here next year, as we always are, uh, when when we are allowed to go out, uh, what what's on the roadmap for HTC? Oh, can you, you know, talk I, about that? 
you know, we can't talk about future roadmap. We can't talk about our speculation. But count on HTC to continue pushing the boundary of innovation and bring delightful devices, experiences, content, platform, services to the world. Carly, thank you so much for coming on the show and making a little time for us here at AWE. It is great to see you, and we will we will have you back on the show to talk about HTC more. Great to see you. Thank you both. And we're here with Devin Copley. He is the co-founder and CEO of Avatur. Um, great to see you, Devin. It's good to see you, yeah, too, Charlie. We're, we're thrilled to talk. We were just catching up before about your pandemic ride uh, yes. and, and how the company you built uh, tends to thrive during the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's been um, uh, uh, the challenges we were talking about with any startup is always timing, right? You can be, you can see the future, but you don't know exactly when the future is going to arrive. And you know, for us, having a vision around remote collaboration using immersive technologies, um, without the pandemic, uh, it was a it was a big ask. We were getting interest from the the innovation people, but we couldn't get it on the shop floor, right? And COVID helped us, you know, cross that chasm, as it were. Let's back up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, so sure. That what do we do? Understand right. what you do. Right, right. My next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Avatur is uh, the remote collaboration platform for site meetings, and we're using real time 360 capture to, you know, uh, enable communication with the context of a real world space. You know, it's sort of uh, the simplest way to describe what we do is a mashup between Google Street View and Zoom. So it's a real-time Google Street View with multiple remote users who can share a real-world location with the people there. And we're primarily using it for um, enterprise and business applications, um, inspections, tours, training, any place where the location is the point of the meeting. That's something that a standard video conference does really badly. You know, you're, somebody's waving a phone around trying to capture a space, and if you got 10 people on the other side, they all want to look at different things. So, so talk about the technology you use to do this that's sure. different than just opening up a couple laptops or phones. Obviously, you're doing something much more sophisticated to give that sense of presence, right? Well, there's a lot going on under the waterline to make it work. Yep. But from the user's perspective, we try to make it as simple as possible. There's an off-the-shelf 360 camera. We don't make the hardware. These things you can go down to Best Buy and buy. Connects to your phone. And then you can invite folks to a video conference. And the one of the key aspects of our success has been we don't require a headset on the other side. You can join with a browser. And this was something that, I, I mean, I'm a... I'm a VROG, right? We, 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 we go way back. I've been, I'm a big believer in the potential of true VR, true AR, all the things that this show is about here. But a lot of people aren't there yet. Headsets are a big you know, hurdle. And one of our goals in delivering the product was making sure we can deliver value to everybody, whether or not they're in headset. And I think that's a theme. You see a lot of the most successful you know, VR from VR chat and on down. Uh, uh, applications are ones that are very inclusive of people who aren't in headsets and enable that that social interaction. And that was one of our ideas from the start. I think one of the things about uh, having that mixed interaction is that people who are on the PC and have limited agency see what people in headsets can do. Yeah. And they say, next time we do this, I want to be one of those people. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I also think, if you don't mind, I want to describe your business in another way. Please do. Because... Um, 
you create this 360 environment, but then people occupy the environment, uh, either as avatars or through a PC as, mm -hmm. as kind of an observer. But the people who are inside the 360, as you said, are free to move around. They can look at different things and they can also instruct the operator on location. Right. So, for example, let's say you were manufacturing something in another continent. Right. Instead of having the whole design team fly over and walk through the factory, they can literally virtually walk through the factory and have a spatial experience, as you said, not a limited field of view, not yeah. not a experience looking at it on a, somebody's smartphone, right. but really being in the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, fundamentally it was it was it's a bit of a hack, right? I mean like it's a three DOF experience, three sixty, but it's six off because you're with somebody on the other side who is your, you know, avatar moving right, through right. space in a way, right? And and this was, you know, it was a function of the realization that a big part of the business value is the meeting, the site meeting. It's not about a scan. There's other companies that do great spatial scanning, reality capture, you know, that's great. We enable the meeting and the thing about a site meeting is there's somebody at the site. You always right. go to meet the, the site manager the or, the, is, or the project manager or whatever. The idea is you would have somebody that people on remotely could say, could you walk over to that exactly. place? Exactly. Exactly. Because we don't see what you're talking Oh, go to the side. Oh, that red thing is the problem. I right. Got right. And, and yeah, I mean, we could mount it on a Boston Robotics dog and have that be, but, but there's already a dude there, right? Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Some low-tech things are better. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, you have a great history in VR, as you mentioned. You were on the original Nokia uh, Ozu team yeah. with that giant, heavy, super high-definition yep. camera that they schlepped to the top of Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very proud of the work that team did, proud to be associated with it. It was it was groundbreaking. You know, there's still things that that, that hardware and software did that, that nothing has matched yet. The fact that it had... Fanless design with simultaneous 360 audio and video capture. That device still doesn't exist. Um, you know, you still have to patch through these different workflows for audio and video. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was great fun, um, but the business case didn't really pencil well, the, out for the, the sixty thousand dollars. The, the reason I bring it up is yeah. there's a straight line from the work you did there to Avatar. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what it came down to was, you know, the bet with Ozo was on entertainment. And on mass media in that, you know, and the fact is you can't have mass media without a mass audience. And we're still not there with VRAR. We're still no. not there. And we won't be for a while yet. Right. Um, but person-to-person -person communication is a different story. And especially high-value communication situations like a plant tour or whatever, um, they'll pay whatever to make that better, easier, faster, quicker, safer, etc. And the business value is enormous, and, and, right? And also, the costs of doing it the other way are, are Very high, high. Yep. Um, and not just financially, but also people are out of the office, they're less productive, they're not home uh, at, at night. Uh, well, and over the last couple of years, there was no way for many right. companies to do this on site. So I mean, it, in the beginning of COVID... Complete even you couldn't even cross state lines. Do you remember the beginning of COVID? Yeah, and we had people who had to ship product. So, so again, that that sort of urgent need allowed us to leap over a lot of the what, what would have been a lot more skepticism, a lot more time to get into some of our huge customers, Colgate, Palmolive, Thermo Fisher, people like that, where it would have been years before we got under the shop floor with some of them. But the need was so great. We had the opportunity to get there, show the value, and then be able to reference that within the org and to other orgs. And that was what COVID gave us. It gave us the opportunity to prove the tech and show that it's ready.
So how big are you now? How what's the size of the company? We're about twenty five people, um, just short of twenty full time, and then the number of you know contractors. And are you still bootstrapping, or did you have, get investors? We we raised a seed round um, a, almost exactly a year ago, led by Ulu Ventures here, who are terrific. They've got like ten unicorns in their portfolio. Um, uh, Docomo Ventures in Japan also joined the round, and they've been a great partner for us because um, connectivity is key to our success, and being able to work with that with a partner who helps with the connectivity challenge uh, has been really, really helpful you know, for us. You know what I've noticed, Charlie, over the interviews that we've done, about 10 or 12 of these at AWE? Have you noticed anything I've noticed, but when you ask people about how many employees they have in their company, I've seen the sweet spot of around 20 to 25 people. Most people say that the companies that they've started that have been successful have now found their way to, like, let's call it 11 to 12 on the low end, 25 to 30 on the high end, right around 20 people. It's a very interesting sort of... What Devin needs, if I might, is a huge stale staff. Because this is such an obvious, good application of the technology. It seems to me if you just got in the door and described it and people got it, yeah. it would be a total no-brainer. I'm, I'm very glad to hear you say that. We might put that in big, bold letters on, the, on, our, uh, on our website. But I, I agree. I mean, I think what's great about Avatar is it's a very clear, it's a simple use case. It really is. You know, it's the, the, we are to a, a site meeting what Zoom is to a conference room meeting. It's that simple. Yeah. And when you explain it that way, people get it, and they get that there's value to be offered here. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I've, I've, just from personal curiosity, is there a certain 360 camera that you kind of unified on and recommend people get because it's low cost and just works well? Have you found the one that. I mean, there's a bunch of them. There are a bunch of them. You know, the specifics of that get, get into really the, the weeds, right? The details. Um, I think, unfortunately, our application is not one that's being taken into consideration by the manufacturers of 360 cameras. Very few people are doing any sort of live streaming. And the ones that do support live streaming often do it at a lower resolution or they only do RTMP. They, they don't expose the, the, raw, um, the raw textures to, to, uh, to an app. We need those raw textures because we do our own encode. We do our own pipeline. Um, so a few a few companies do expose that. But even, I mean, I love the Theta cameras. But the new, the new Theta... You can see on the specs, it'll run for seven minutes before it overheats in live streaming. It's useless. It's useless. And so what do we use? We use the, the Insta360s, the, the, the action camera level, and we use, um, that's sort of our entry-level device, and then we use the LabPano um, uh, Pilot One EE, which is a terrific camera. I love that camera. They've they've continued to make it more and more reliable, and um, it had, runs an Android system. So we so it's the ease of use is off the charts. It runs our app. You power it up. Our app starts, and you just push two buttons, and you're live. I've been writing about Aperture since the beginning. Yes, you were the first, and uh, and, and I, thank and, you. And I'm still equally excited about your company. Um, so I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Uh, I will continue to follow this story. We'll have you back on the show as you continue to grow. Awesome. Um, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Ted.